Father, we thank you for your spirit's presence in this place. Truly, anything is possible when you're here. Father, we put our eyes on you. Lord, we put our heart on you this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we cast off every care, every burden, and lay them at your feet. Father, we thank you for your spirit's presence in this place and for what you've done. Lord, we thank you for answered prayers. Lord, we thank you for encouragement in our spirits. Father, we thank you for the reminder today that you are an ever-present help in a time of need. Lord, that you are constant, that you're always faithful. Lord, that you'll never fail us, that you'll never forsake us, that you're right there with us. Lord, that you're walking before us, preparing a way. Lord, thank you for being such a good father to us. Each and every one of us, Lord. Father, we ask that you just continue to move in the service. Lord, that you speak to us. Lord, that you grow us, that you continue to mold and shape us into the people that you've called us to be, Lord, that nothing, that nothing would be held back today in our hearts, Lord, that we give everything to you. We give you glory. We give you praise because you alone are worthy in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody, let's just lift up our hands one more time. Lord, we just worship you in this place, God. Speak to us today from your word. Let it produce in our hearts what you intended for it to produce. God, mature us in these moments. We worship you in this place. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. If you feel God doing something in your heart this morning, give him some praise in this place. He is so worthy. He is so worthy. So worthy in this place. You can be seated if you can this morning, but I want you to just stay in an attitude of praise and Keep what the Lord is doing in your hearts right now, fresh and in front of you. Thank you so much, praise team, for leading us into the presence of God. What a magnificent job leading us in the presence of God today, amen? So excited for what the Lord is going to do today. He's already moving. He's already speaking to us. Um, if you're a guest here today, what you experienced earlier in the worship is called a message in tongues and then an interpretation of that. And if you notice, it wasn't weird or creepy. It might have been new and different, but when God moves, he moves in an orderly fashion. And his word accomplishes what he intends for it to accomplish. My goodness gracious, I just can't wait to get into this word. If you're just turning in online, thank you so much for joining us. If you would, as always, hit that like and share button so that we can reach as many people as possible. Um, Feel free to hit that like and share button. If you're here today, hop online and help us uh, share that live stream, get that message out so we can reach as many people as we can. Um, we're doing this thing today like we've done in previous weeks. For every person that will share the live stream, um, we will give a dollar to missions. So for every person that shares, we will give a dollar to missions. Uh, representative of you sharing the live stream today. That doesn't mean that if you share the live stream 60 times, that you earn $60. 
one person, one, one person equals one dollar, but it's good encouragement and a good incentive to help us get that word out there, and we'll see that missions account keep growing so that we can fund the missions efforts that we have here at the church. My goodness, what a, a beautiful time in the presence of God, amen? So excited. Yeah, give him some big praise. My goodness gracious. I think... I think too many times, especially in, in America, we're, we're programmed to follow a, a routine or a regimen in church, and church is supposed to look a certain way and flow a certain way, and you've got your, your worship, and then you've got a, an offering or a message somewhere in there, and it all just clicks, 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 but, but I think that it's more important for us to let God do what he wants to do in his house. Amen. I think order is important, and we come in here with a game plan, but we are always going to let God do what God wants to do in this place. A piece of paper is not going to tell us what we're supposed to do next. The Spirit of God is going to tell us what we're supposed to do next. Amen? I've got a powerful word to bring you today, and I cannot wait to get into it. And, and after such a great move of the Holy Spirit, it seems kind of abrupt to say, get over it. <laughs> to get over it. But that's the title of the message today. If you would, if you've got your Bibles or your devices, um, go to the book of Philippians chapter 3. We're going to dive into this. And um, all of the notes for today's message are available on version. If you're watching online, you can follow along with the message that way. Um, but stay, stay on track because God is going to do some powerful stuff this morning. Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 12. Paul's writing this, and he says, Not that I have already obtained all of this, or have already arrived at my goal. How many of you can relate with that this morning? You know what I mean? Like, I'm not there yet. I'm on the way. I'm getting there one step at a time, but I'm not there yet. And when you think about Paul writing this, like, Paul, if ever there was somebody next to Jesus who should have, like, a Superman cape on their back... Paul would be a great candidate because he did some amazing things and overcame a lot in his life. But he said, listen, I'm not there yet. I like the way he starts that. I haven't already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. I love how he says this. He says, listen, I haven't got it all together yet. I'm getting there one step at a time. I'm not everything that God intended for me to be yet. I'm heading in that direction. But here's one thing that I do. You know, if you ever want to get better at a skill set or grow uh, in your life, personal growth to me is very important. They got these things called master classes. You ever heard of those? <laughs> So master's cl master class, you pay a little bit of money, and a supposed expert in whatever field um, can, uh, will, will give you their wisdom and their insight and pass on tricks of the trade to you so you can get better at doing what you want to do. Well, Paul's about to give us a master class in his life. One thing I do, he says. I, I love that because when you think about Paul, Paul... Paul is like, if you look up overcomer in the dictionary, you'll probably see Paul's picture. You know what I mean? Like, he overcame so much opposition, even from the beginning. Like, he was, he was a Pharisee who used to be called Saul. And he persecuted the church. He would throw families in jail. He would kill Christians, rip families apart, mothers from children, fathers from families, throw them in jail. That's, that's how he 
was before he encountered Jesus. Jesus turned his life around, and then the church wanted nothing to do with him because he was just throwing them in jail. So Paul had a rough time getting into the church. Have y'all ever experienced that before where you had a little bit of a past that threw people off just a little bit and put them on edge? Well, Paul had to deal with that. Paul went through a lot. If you look later in, I think it's the book of 2 Corinthians, Paul talks about how he was whipped. He was whipped or flogged. Listen to this. Five times he received 39 lashes with a whip. That's a bad day. Once would be enough for me. You know, about number three, I would be thinking, okay, Lord, what's going on with this? I'm just doing what you called me to do. Yeah, five times. The Bible says that three times he was beaten with rods. And, dude, they would just throw down on you when they beat you with rods back then. He went through a lot of physical abuse. He was stoned at one point, not like smoking something, but people threw rocks at him. You got you to clarify that because this is Eastgate Church and we got all kinds of characters in here. Y'all be saying, Pastor Josh talking about Paul getting stoned. Well, I get, no, he wasn't smoking anything. He was sharing the word of God in the city and these people drug him outside of the city and threw rocks at him, the Bible says, until he was just lifeless. Until believers came around him and prayed for him. A lot of scholars and me personally, I think Paul was dead. I think they killed that joker. And the believers got around him and prayed for him. He came back to life, got resuscitated at least. And you know what he did? He dusted himself off, walked right back into the city, and started preaching again. Can you imagine being one of those people that threw the rocks at Paul? And we're like, we killed that joker finally, and you're sitting at the cafe drinking something, and here comes Paul rocking, right by you, how you doing? All right, it's time to get back to this. Where was I, by the way, um, before I was interrupted? That is crazy. That is straight up gangster. You know what I mean? To have a group of people kill you, to get back up, to walk back into that city and say, okay, let's get back to it. Paul was amazing when it came to being consistent and over things. He was shipwrecked, lost at sea. He, he, people took oaths and said they wouldn't eat or sleep until he was dead. You know what I mean? He had people lie on him, falsely accused, thrown into prison, all of this stuff. And Paul says, listen, if you want to know a little secret on how I'm consistent, on how I do this thing, but one thing I do, he says, forgetting Everybody say forget. forget. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Whew. He says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He says, I'm quick to forget the stuff that's behind me. And I'm straining towards the stuff that's ahead of me. He says, I press on toward the goal. The goal. I'm pressing on toward the goal. The goal. Not the person, not the affirmation, not the encouragement, but I press on towards the goal for which God has called me heavenward. He had his focus fixed in the right place. Paul had the right perspective. He says, I know I'm going to go through this stuff. You want to know what gets me up in the morning when I'm sore after being whipped 
39 times with a leather strap with bone and glass on it to shred my back when they do it. He's, I have my eyes fixed on something else. Paul had an eternal perspective. So when things don't go my way, it's all right. I can take another step and press on. When people lie about me, I can take another step and press on. You know what? When they, when they falsely accuse me and I've got to stand up in front of a judge, I'm just going to take another step and press on because I'm not going to get caught up in the distractions of this world. I've got my eyes set on something else, and that's what motivates me. He says, all of these light, temporary, small problems in this world will one day fade away, and I will be with my Jesus forever. He says, one thing I do, if you will get this, it will be a huge step in your walk with God, and you'll get consistency. Press on, press on, press on. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus. Have an eternal perspective. Realize that one day, this world is going to stop spinning, but we are going to be with Jesus forever. Oh, Paul had it figured out. He had it figured out. He said, press on. Press on. And then he drops this little note. He says, uh, all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. Maturity. It's an earmark of maturity. You know, you live enough life, you start to figure a few things out. Paul figured a few things out. Press on, he said. Press on, he said. <clears throat> I, uh, man, I've had so many things in my life that I've just, you ever, you ever just had things happen in life where you just said, I'm over it? Yeah. And I mean, I'm just over it. Yep. People will gossip about you, or you got that one friend that just lets you down again, and you're just like, you know what, I'm, I'm over it. I'm flipping the page on it. I'm over it. It's funny. I, uh, <laughs> this is years ago. I uh, was fly I was uh, driving around with a friend of mine, in uh, in the city. Got in a car, and he had. You know, you, you, I don't know. People sometimes they just grab food and they drive around and eat the food while they go. He's one of those people. So, <clears throat> was riding with him. And he's shoveling down the food, and then he takes all the trash, dumps it in the bag, wads it up. And while he's driving, just throws it in the back seat like it's nothing. Y'all got a back seat strategy when you drive like that? It is like I just throw it back there. I'll just get to it sooner or later. I was like, bro, what are you doing? He goes, I, I just get, I just get it to it when I when I clean out the car. And I'm like, okay, well, if that's your thing, that's your thing. I look back over my shoulder. I didn't see it when I got into the car, but bro had like a landfill <laughs> in the back of his car. You know somebody like that? Like you get in and you feel like you need a tetanus shot after you rode with them. You know, that kind of thing, like extra hand sanitizers, clean it up, all right, appreciate the ride. Um, yeah, so it was like that. I was like, man, this, this guy needs some help. Well, a couple of weeks later, we were going to go do something again. So I go to hop in the car, and this time I peek in the back seat because now I got to know, you know. It's been a couple of weeks. Had this dude done what he said he was going to do? And I looked in the back seat when I got in. Bro hadn't touched anything. Still had a landfill in the back of his car. And you know what? That bag that he wadded up and threw back there was still in the same place it was in. It hadn't moved. 
And, but the pile had gotten bigger, you know? Like it was, it was, I don't know, maybe another week or two, if he had rolled down the windows in the back of his car, stuff would have been flying out and falling out. It was crazy. But his solution was to wad stuff up and just throw it back behind him and not deal with it. I think sometimes that's what we do in life. When we're done with something, or when we say, you know what, I'm over this. I'm over this. We wad it up, and we throw it behind us, and we forget about it, ish. But it's still there. Now, the front seat's clean, and we got it all together. But when you look in the back, there needs to be some work done in the back. You know what I mean? It's time to clean some stuff up in the back. And I think that's what we do with ourselves. Like Self-preservation and emotional preservation in people is a real thing. And sometimes we like to bury things instead of dealing with it. It's like to wad it up and say, you know what? I'm over it. I'm flipping this little switch. I'm not giving them a place in, that, in my heart anymore. I'm not letting this bug me anymore. But it's not exactly the way... God intended for that to play out. A lot of times when we say, I'm over it, what we're really just saying is, I don't care anymore. I don't care anymore. I'm just tired of dealing with it. I'm tired of, of this person sucking the life out of me. I'm over it. I'm, I'm tired of always living under financial pressure. I'm over it. I'm tired of dealing with the health issues. I'm over it. But saying that I'm over it doesn't deal with the issue. It just kind of means that we're dying just a little bit inside. And for a lot of people, if you peel back the layers and you look in their hearts, not their faces, not how they're dressed, but if you look at their hearts, it looks a little bit like this. And cue the cemetery. One, two, there we go. Got a delay in it. It looks a little bit like this. It's tombstones, each one representing a moment in life. And what we don't realize is, now I know I'm not talking to anybody in here this morning, so we're talking about all these other people that we see and that we know, right? Can we just, right? So our hearts look like this. And on these tombstones, you know how you have like a birth date and a death date? on these things in cemeteries. It doesn't work that way. There's only one date on these tombstones in our hearts, and it's the death date. Because each one of these headstones represents a moment where we stop living just a little bit. It represents a moment where we started dying just a little bit, where life started losing its passion, and we started losing our excitement, and the fire that was burning inside of us for Jesus just started dying down just a little bit, moment by moment by moment by moment by moment. Right there, that moment, that moment's when I got betrayed for the first time. That moment right there was the first time I got cheated on. <laughs> Man, and I learned a lesson. But instead of healing, I put a wall up. And I said, nobody's ever going to get that close to me again. 
I'm never going to let somebody, instead of being the victim, I'm going to be the player. You understand? And so we just start to die a little bit. Right here, this was the moment that someone in church leadership did something to hurt me. And instead of forgetting and forgiving and allowing myself to heal and make it right, that moment right there was a moment I, I still went to church, I still go to church, I still praise God, but I'm not going to get involved now. I'm always going to be looking out the side of my eye at anyone who does anything in church because of what that one person did. Instead of realizing that one person's mistake doesn't represent God's heart for me, and instead of realizing that one person making a mistake isn't all church leadership making a mistake. This moment right here was the time that I trusted God with my finances and I gave and I felt like God was telling me to do something and then I lost the job and money got tight and I was like, what's up with that? And instead of trusting God, I died just a little bit that day. There's the divorce. You just go on and on and on. Right there are the words that your father spoke over you when you were a kid. And if we're not careful, boy, we look good on the outside. And we can say, hey, I'm over it. I'm over it. I'm over what they said to me. Done with that. They don't have a voice in my life anymore. And maybe you are, but have you dealt with that? There's a difference between being over it and getting over it. You got to deal with stuff. Boy, it's real quiet in here right now. You got to deal with stuff so that our hearts don't look like that. See, you don't get over it by living in denial. You get over it by responding biblically to what happens to you in life. You got to respond biblically to what happens to you in life. When people hurt us, what are we supposed to do? Forgive. Forgive. Now, that doesn't mean that the relationship has to be restored because forgiveness and restoration are two completely different things, but we've got to forgive. Amen? Amen. And, and if we have conflict with somebody, the Bible says we've got to go to them and talk to them and try to work it out. Not just flip the page because we're mad and say, I'm over it. You know what I mean? When seasons are jacked up in life, we go to the Word of God and respond biblically instead of trying to put the things in, in, in our own hands. That's where we mess up. Because we like to bury stuff sometimes instead of dealing with it. And what we don't realize is when we do that, we die just a little bit every time that we do it. And, and what I would suggest is this. Instead of saying, I'm over it, that we just get over it. That we just get over it. And what I'm saying might not be the same thing that you're thinking. When I say get over it, what I'm saying is we're not going, I'm over it. What I'm saying is that we get over it. We get over it. Maybe we elevate our place where that we're not down here responding on a carnal level to things. What if we got over things with our response and responded maturely 
the way the Bible says to do it, and the way that Paul was letting us in on this little secret, that we grabbed an eternal perspective on this stuff, and it didn't hit us so hard. I'll, I'll show you what I mean, because God sees things completely different than we see things. In First Chronicles chapter 29, um, it, it reads like this. It says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, the majesty. Man, that makes me want to shout right there. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours, O Lord. This is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. He's got a different perspective from us. Like a lot of times when we go through life, have y'all ever seen those big corn mazes or those mazes that they have with hedges? Yeah. You walk in and you just can't see. A lot of times in life, we find ourselves staring at life and it looks like this right here. Feeling a little claustrophobic looking at that? <laughs> just a little bit. Like our, our field of view is limited. We can only see as far as the next turn. Sometimes it looks like this picture right here in life. Go ahead and click it. There we go. Boom. You ever hit a dead end in life <laughs> and wondered what the next step was? Did you freak out just a little bit? Freak out just a little bit when you hit dead ends because you don't have control over the situation. Those moments where we realize we've got a lot less control over life than we would like to think that we have, very sobering. We see these things. We get caught up on this level. And it feels like it's over our head. You can't see exactly what's going on. And we forget that the Bible says stuff like this in Isaiah 41. It says, don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. See, God hadn't left us. He's always the solution for everything that we face. Instead of saying, I'm over it, what I'm saying is that we get over it. Instead of having to deal with life caught in a maze, that we change our perspective, like Paul changed his perspective, and we elevate our thoughts just a little bit. We elevate our focus just a little bit, and we fix our eyes on what's waiting for us instead of what's right in front of us, and we get a new perspective. See, when God sees things, he sees things like this. When he looks at things, he looks at things from a completely different perspective because he's over all of it. And where we see dead ends, he sees the next turn. And where we think we can't find our way out, he sees through to the other side because he's got the right perspective. What would happen if, if in a walk with God, we just drew a little bit closer to him? If we applied the word of God and we elevated ourselves and he said, we say, you know what? I'm in this world, but I'm not of this world. That I'm actually a child of the most high God, like the Bible says that I am. Yeah. That I'm actually an overcomer in Christ, like the Bible says that I am. And we elevate ourselves up 
above our situations and above our circumstances and we get a new perspective on things that we begin to see things the way God sees things as we draw closer to him and we get his heart where we used to be hurt where we used to be clouded because we couldn't trust people we capture his heart as we draw closer to him and we allow him to heal and restore and bring back that joy that we had that passion that we had that we get closer to him and we capture an eternal perspective where we can see past what we're facing in life right now and see through to the other side yeah money might be tight right now but my bible says that if i seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness that all these things will be added to me that he's my provider so i'm not going to get shaken by what i see here because i've got a perspective that lets me see through to the other side Oh, man, when people hurt me, I can forgive, and I can get over it. Not over it, but I can get over it and elevate my focus as I draw closer to God. I can overcome the stuff that I'm facing because now I have a new perspective in life. Man, God's telling us today it's time to get over it. It's time to get over it, but not in the way we're used to doing it. It's time to get over it. It's time to elevate above it. It's time to let the word of God produce the fruit in our hearts that it was meant to produce so that we begin to see things like, even if through our eyes all we can see is right here, but we know spiritually the word of God gives us perspective on how to navigate all of the things that we face in life so that we can see through to the other side. If the whole world falls apart tomorrow, we're still going to rule and reign with Christ Jesus. You understand? We know the end of the story. We know the end of the story. So when the devil comes to you and he gives the lies and he gives the deception and he says, you don't have what it takes. You've messed up too bad. Why would people listen to you? What makes you think God could do anything with you? Oh, what does the Word of God say? <laughs> the Word of God says, uh, <clears throat> I'm saved. The Word of God says that I am purified because of what Jesus did. Uh, you point out my mistakes, devil, that's fine, but Jesus gave me something called a robe of righteousness. I'm rubber, you're glue. What you say bounces off me and sticks to you. You know what I'm saying? Like the, what we know is that we are heirs and co-heirs with Christ. You see what I'm saying? The Word of God changes everything. So what I'm saying is, let's get over it. Let's get over it today. And a few things happen when you get over it. When you get over it, we become focused on the mission. Become focused on the mission because our perspective is now correct. The whole mission of Jesus' life was to seek and save the lost. We get focused on the mission. That's all that matters. Focused on the mission. Not paying the bills. That's being responsible, but that's not the mission of your life. You understand? Focused on the mission because our perspective is right. When we get over it, something else happens. We operate with peace and purpose. Peace isn't an absence of conflict. Peace is not everything in your life going the way that it's supposed to. Peace 
is a byproduct of your relationship with God. Peace is an overflow of your relationship with Jesus. And it comes by knowing that he's got you. Regardless, regardless of what you face, he's got you. When we overcome it, we live with intentionality instead of living reactionary to what happens to us in life. Instead of freaking out because things don't go the way we thought they should go or losing a handle on things and losing our focus and pulling back and, and wanting to hide because life just hits us a couple of few times in a row, we remember, we remember, you know what? All the stuff is temporary. I'm not going to react to this stuff. I'm going to respond according to the Word of God. And I'm going to be intentional about what I say, intentional about what I do, deliberate on how I come back at people when they throw mud at me. I'm going to, I'm going to be intentional on how I respond when the enemy attacks me. Like clockwork. It's being mature spiritually in how we approach life. Getting over it. I wonder what this year would look like if instead of letting ourselves be tossed around by what life throws at us, that we stayed focused and plowed right through it because we were over it. That doesn't mean you avoid what happens. You gotta deal with the issues of life, but how we respond, you see, is completely different when our perspective is right. I wonder what that would mean for your family this year. If we just got over the stuff that we're gonna face and had the right perspective and allowed ourselves to be led by the Spirit of God instead of driven by our emotions? What if we just got over it? I wonder how it would transform the workplace. I wonder how it would transform family gatherings. I wonder how it would transform our ministries that we're involved in if we just got over things instead of letting ourselves be pulled down into the distractions of life. I think that you could be on the verge of the most spiritually consistent and productive year that you have ever had if you'll just make the decision to get over it. I'm not going to throw you the hype and say 2023 is going to be the best year ever. The favor of God's going to rest on you. You're going to walk in His blessing. Everything you touch is going to turn to gold because I know better than that. We're gonna face stuff in life. How we respond to it is everything. What if we got over it? Instead of losing weeks, fuming and angry because somebody hurt us, what if we learned to just have a conversation and then forgive and forget and move on? We just got over it. Trusted God and got over it. I think this year would be a powerful year 
forget about this year, I think life going forward will be incredibly powerful because then we'd be responding maturely. Then we'd be taking Paul's little tidbit of wisdom, pressing on because we got our focus on something better. Now that's living an overcoming life, amen? That's an overcoming life. Let's all stand this morning. We're all standing. Once you stand up, I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes. No one looking around. I just want to pray with you. I know God's been moving so powerfully today, and it's just so awesome being in his presence. But I got a question for you. Are you over things in life, or are you over things in your life? You look at your heart, <laughs> if it were the back seat of a car, would it be empty and clean, or would it be piled full of the stuff that you didn't want to deal with, and you just buried and moved on? And on the front, you're smiling, and you've got it all together, but inside your heart, <laughs> there's just gravestones of moments in life where you died just a little bit over and over and over again. The Lord wants to deal with that stuff in your life today because it's time not just to say you're over it. It's time to get over it, to let God heal and restore and to gain a new perspective. Every head bowed, every eyes closed, no one looking around. If you're here today and you know man, you've got You've got some tombstones in your heart that you need to deal with. You're here today and you say, Pastor Josh, I, th there's some stuff going on and I'm tired of letting that stuff sit back there. I'm ready to change how I respond to life. I'm ready, I'm ready to elevate myself, to be led by the Spirit of God, to, to let my perspective be God's perspective. To live a life of faith and trust knowing that He's got it on the other side regardless of what I look at today. You're here today and you know those, those tombstones need to be dealt with. You're here today and you know you need to make a decision today to be over it. When I count to three, I want you to lift your eyes and look at me. Heads bowed, eyes closed all across this place. No one looking around. This is between you and me in this moment. I want to pray with you. I want to see you take this step. I want to see you move out of it and watch God do something powerful in you and through you today. This isn't about what happened to you in the past. It's about everything that God wants to do through you in the future. It's time for us to get over this stuff. It's time for us to get over it the right way. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. If that's you, when I count to three, I want you to lift your eyes and look at me. Here we go. One, two, three. Lift your eyes and look at me. I see yours. 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 My God in heaven, eyes are going up all over this place. Let's just do this. Let's just do this. All across this place, let's just lift up our hands and begin to worship him. Eyes have gone up all in this room. Father, I thank you for what you're doing in this moment. Let's just begin to worship him and right now, right now, Father, we just give all of this over to you. 
Lord, if we need to get those tombstones out of our hearts, Lord, you know exactly what those moments are. I pray in the name of Jesus that you heal, that you restore, that you do a work in our hearts right now. For those watching online or listening to this later, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we just respond to what you're doing. Have your way in our hearts. Have your way in our hearts. Lord, we, we, Lord, we move past the words that were spoken over us. We don't bury it. Lord, heal and restore the lies that have been spoken over us, Father. Heal and restore, Lord. Restore that identity of who you created us to be, Lord, where people have hurt and betrayed us and let us down. That was a person. That was not you, Father. You are the one that brings healing and restoration. So, Lord, restore in your presence right now, Father. Restore our hearts, Father. Lord, give us a new perspective. Lord, give us a new outlook on life. Father, in the name of Jesus, help us to be over it. Not to bury this stuff, but to be over it. Oh, in the name of Jesus, Father, do what you need to do in us. Do what you need to do in us.